1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. All right, let's get
0: started positively. Somebody will hit 400 again. Somebody will get smart and swing naturally. Ty Cobb. They said he was a tough guy, but uh, he was one of the best hitters of all time. Follow the path of the unsafe, independent thinker. Expose your ideas to the danger of controversy. Speak your mind and fear less label of a crackpot than the the stigma of conformity. That's Tom Watson. He was the founder of IBM. (laughs) Think, right? Think. Okay, so... You know, we refer back to our webpage quite a bit, and we do have a new newsletter for November. So if you hit WHK 1420 AM and, and go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes or Smart Investor Show, uh, you can you can go right to my webpage, okay? Or you can hear last week's show or, you know, if you want to check, uh, fact check some of my stuff here, please do, all right? I, I think I'm, you know, I'm batting at least uh, 800, <laughs> I may espouse occasionally, but not very often. Uh, but anyway, uh, my webpage does have st- a couple things on the bulletin board that I highly recommend. Our market, Investors Edge, is a kind of a quarterly newspaper, and it's got some good stuff. The Market Week, the daily technical analysis, uh, and we you know we've been saying interest rates are going to stay lower for longer for a long time now, and and uh, it's a theme I keep up there just because I I feel confident that we're right. And, and then cybersecurity, uh, we have two pieces on there. One. You know how to you know how to stay cyber safe okay but the news newsletter uh, has some good stuff on there and uh, it'll be coming to those who have signed up already uh, sometime in the near future. Um, you know I keep talking about both sides of your balance sheet. look it's great to know about stocks and bonds don't get me wrong uh, it's important but you also got to know about your debit side your how to use credit properly and we have the savvy investors credit handbook which you can get if you go to my web page and just hit, you know, contact me or email me, you can get that. And we have our global income best ideas. Uh, that's a long one, so you have to be serious about it. Uh, I'd also recommend, uh, you know, I think energy, look, these envirom- these environmental, social, and governance uh, portfolios are making a lot of head- headway. And they're completely getting rid of oil stocks. And something tells me, you know that that may last for a while, but uh, we still need energy and we're, oil's not going away, I don't think in the near future. so uh, it's a good list. some of these have made a little bit of a move. Um, uh, it's amazing how far the you know oil was at its low at twenty six and now it's at fifty fifty three and the oil stocks went down another sixty percent. that's kind of interesting. I keep talking about these convertible bonds. I, you know, I just finished a book on them. Uh, it's very interesting stuff. Uh, you know, they have done a great job of outperforming the S and P 500, and I'm talking about since 1973. They've averaged about 2.6 percent annually and had three quarters of the volatility. That's important, folks. Okay, this is a great way. Uh, I, I I've been uh, st- starting to add some of it to some of my portfolios. I highly recommend it. Um you know it it's just makes sense if you'd like more information, let me know. you know uh the economy grew at a good clip last year, and as the consensus report showed that there were two point three million full time year round workers uh the median earnings of all such workers went up a solid three point four percent uh of course, I'm going to peach the guy that uh <laughs> started that so Almost any way you slice it, America's spent more money on health care than people in any other wealthy country. That's true if you look at the total spending, about $3.5 trillion in the U.S. Uh, in 2017. It's true as a percent of natural income at nearly 18 percent for the U.S. It's, it's true on a per capita basis, too, uh, given that the U.S. spent about $10,000 for every man, woman, and child in the country. That's all according to the Center of, uh, from, uh, uh, for Medicaid and Medicaid, uh, Medicare Services. Bird populations in the United States and Canada have dropped by 29% since 1970, satisf- uh, signifying that 2.9 million birds lost in almost 50 years, according to the study. Almost 90% of the birds lost came from 12 common songbird families, like sparrows, blackbirds, uh, warblers, finches, and swallows. Shorebirds have lost about one-third of their population. Grassland birds have lost more than 720 million. resulting in a 53% reduction in the population. Force Across America Lost More Than 1, million bir- 1 Billion Birds. How's that, huh? So, um, you know, I, I had uh, a gentleman in who uh, is a post-retiree. He's been retired for about 10 years. And we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, one some of the things he wished he would have done. And, and then I noticed that my newsletter this month came out with this. So uh, I thought that was pretty good stuff. But... The three regrets of retirees are not saving enough. Uh, More than a third of the retirees wish they had saved more. How much is enough? The amount you need depends on your other sources of income, okay, and your anticipated lifestyle. It might be helpful to consider the 4% rule, which is a traditional guideline for the percentage of savings that you must be able to withdraw each year without depleting your nest egg over a 30-year retirement. Okay? Um, Now, Relying too much on Social Security. Social Security was never meant to meet all your retirement income needs, folks. The The average 2019 monthly benefit of 1461 for the retired worker and 2400 for a couple uh, could hardly provide a comfortable retirement. It's that simple. And not paying off debts. Carrying heavy debt can be a strain on any stage of life, but it can be especially difficult for retirees living on a fixed income. Paying off your home before you retire not only reduces your monthly expense but also provides equity that can be tapped if you want all right now it's near the end of the year and there's a couple things we got to talk about let's talk about some uh some year-end tax tips look i i think you really got to set aside some time to plan uh effective planning requires that you have a good understanding of your current tax situation if you don't you should sit down with your accountant or start to do the if you're doing it yourself do it yourself Defer some income to next year, uh, if you get the possibility. Uh, you know, some people have that opportunity uh, with bonuses, et cetera. Uh, accelerate deductions. You know, if you might look at some of the opportunities to accelerate deductions in the current tax year. If you itemize deductions, making payments for deductible uh, expenses such as medical, qualifying interest, state taxes before the end of the year could, could make a difference. Factor in AMT, you know, if, if you're living off of fixed income, especially tax, uh, tax-free bonds, a lot of AMT involved there. Bump up withholding to cover a tax short hole, a shortfall. Sorry about that. And maximize uh, retirement savings. Put as much as you can in your IRAs, your 401 ks, etc. Your ross. Uh, take any required distributions once you hit seventy and a half. Remember, you have to start taking your. You know, I do this for all my clients. Uh, you got to take your required minimum distributions. And be uh, beware the net investment income tax. Don't forget to, to account for the three point. Eight percent net investment income tax. In addition, uh, tax may be the sum or all your investment income if your modified a gross income exceeds two hundred thousand bucks. And get help if you need it. That's the that's the big one. Uh, most people, you know, don't. Um, by the way, just a friendly reminder uh, for you: Medicare eligible people out there, the open enrollment period started last week. Um, you know, it's uh. I mean, I think you've got to compare some options. Uh, You know, look, there's an easy way to find a Medicare plan to fit you. Uh, If you want to compare plans, just visit medicare.gov. All right? So there you go. Uh, You know, investors consider a range of issues that may drive their performance and uh, asset class selection, style allocation, and manager or security selection, among others. However, many investors may not realize a significant driver of their performance uh, may be related to their own decision-making about what to buy and when to sell, particularly in the investments they may have uh, the most upside potential. It's amazing, you know, if you look at the most volatile stocks, um, you know, the chart shows, you know, that I have in front of me shows that the amount of investors have underperformed equity funds over a decade because of poor timing. Um, one reason investors may have historically underperformed is the actual asset class Funds or securities in which they invest is bad timing. Some, it's just pure emotion. You know, they get scared. They sell out at the bottom. They get excited. They buy at the top. And uh, there you go. Now, you know, uh, last year we uh, talked about Bob Dole from Naveen's uh, uh, top predictions and uh, top 10 predictions. And his first one was his U.S. expansion becomes the longest in history despite GDP slowing to a still above trend two and a half two 2%. Uh, and he's been right on that one. Unemployment bottoms in, in 2019 why wage growth continues to wi- to rise. He's right on that one. The Treasury ke- yield curve flattens and credit spreads uh, widen due to late cycle concerns. So far, he's right on that, but it's too early to call. Uh, he, uh, corporate earnings growth uh, estimates weakened for 2019 and 20. Uh, that's pretty much headed the right way. U.S. equity. Uh, Experiences a positive return, but fails to reach record highs for the first time in ten years. Too early to call, but you're pretty close on that one. Now, U.S. stocks out, non-U.S. stocks outperform U.S. stocks as the dollar sags. That's that's wrong. Uh, The information technology, well, so far it's wrong. Financial and healthcare sectors outperform utilities, read and materials. That's headed in the wrong direction. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, I can't, the uh, I can't read it. Sorry about that, folks. So we'll go directly to 10. A double-digit number of Democrats run for president while President Trump is challenged with his own party. That's heading in the right direction, too. So there we go. Um, you know, I was looking, uh, speaking of the president, I was looking at the presidential futures charts uh, in response to some heightening yet seemingly cyclical political news feeds. We are, find it timely to revisit the point-and-figure charts. You know, these charts are constructed by using data from the Ohio uh, Iowa election market the IEM it's a real a real money small-scale futures exchange and updates on a daily basis now the Democratic chart uh, candidate chart currently resides in the middle of a 10-week trading ban and basically would return to a sell signal with a move, a move below 0.63 when reviewing the Republican candidate we see little movement remaining unchanged after reversing down to a column of O's on September 27th as an impeachment date by the way Although little action thus far, we expect uh, such to increase in frequency and perha- perhaps significance as we get closer to the, the 2020 election. So uh, things are getting interesting is what I'm trying to tell you. You know, I did notice uh, I was looking at asset cr- class groups and the large cap growth and the S&P index funds are still the top asset class. And at the bottom is micro caps and small caps. Um, And, you know, this has been going on for about eight years now, and I have a feeling that there's a switch coming. I'm not sure what, but I looked at the the S&P 500 small cap index, that's the SML, and it broke its downtrend line, which had been in for a couple, eh, five years actually, and uh, pulled back right to support and then turned back up. So that's kind of interesting. Now, the S&P 500 chart uh, has not hit a new high. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see if small caps reassert themselves coming up here because, um, they, you know, if you look at the, the technical indicator report on the bottom, small cap blend, small cap, small cap growth, small cap value, they're all down and out. So we'll be right back uh, with more of the Stay Tuned to this Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. we're back uh if you just tuned in to smart investor show i'm tim hayes and uh i just want to mention that we do have some really good portfolios that we can run for you uh or um if you'd like to see them you know look before you leap type of thing we have our dividend growth portfolio our prime income list um you know our dividend growth portfolios look for companies that grow their dividends six to eight percent every year year in and year out as a matter of fact if they if they cut their dividend or they don't raise it they're out uh you know that's a great way to make money, uh, slow but sure, low beta. You know, so you not have high volatility or anything like that. Um, we also have our prime income list, which is yielding four point four percent, four point one four percent. I'm sorry, uh, right now, and and that's higher. that's almost double what a thirty year bond is is yielding. Now some it's got some utilities in it, and I, as I've said in the last couple of weeks, I think utilities are pretty overbought. So you got to be careful with this list right at the moment. There's two names on it though that look absolutely phenomenal, and then our top ideas list which has a couple names in the software area, which I think you have to be a little bit careful with. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, you know, they're up a lot is, is the point. So, uh, you know, you want to buy yield when it's down uh, or when it, when the stocks are down or the, the particular bonds are down and the yield is up. So uh, you want to be a little bit more careful. You know, I was looking and this is the most unappreciated bull market I can ever remember. Uh, In the month of September, $30 billion came out of mutual funds. So you had $30 billion in outflows. And I haven't seen that since I think it was 1973, 74 when the nifty 50 blew up. And yet, uh, you know, I mean, I was looking at my Marshfield statements and they're up 27%. Uh, Most of my stock uh, portfolios are up, you know, between 19 and 22%. Some of my more conservative portfolio is only up 11, 12, but, you know, that's because we're doing it the way uh, the client wants it. But, you know, it's amazing. People are jumping off cliffs, and we have an up market for the year. So last year they must have lost their minds, you know, when things were down in the fourth quarter. So, look, um, you're going to have some bear moves in bull markets, and you're going to have some bull moves in bear markets. But this is a structural bull market, I think, and uh, I think it's going to last a lot longer than you think. And I bet you – you know, if Bob Dickey was right in our seminar, he said a hundred thousand on the Dow. That's four times where we are now. That's a long way, okay? So if he, you know if Bob's right, and uh, you know Bob is sometimes early, <laughs> uh, but you know he, he's right. I mean, this is the guy that said a year, uh, two years ago, that this wasn't over, okay? And he's he he, he said basically we have broken through the upside, and we were probably going to you know, at best go down, you know, sideways. And uh, we've had a couple, you know, uh, reactions on the downside, shall we say, but we're still going sideways, all right? And so he's been right. So he's he's usually right. He also was talking very positively about gold before it broke out. Uh, if you were on my mailing list, and you can get to that by just going to WHK1420 uh, and and go down to the local podcast, the Tim Hayes or, or Smart Investor Show, and hit the email me or, or, or uh, you know, contact me, and by the way, I'll, I'll send those lists out to you, but you know, I send these these out to you occasionally simply because Bob hit it right on the nail. I mean, gold went up 20%. It was a great trade. I think it's going to pull back, and then it might be a really good investment, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, I had uh, Bill and uh, I think it's Lila. Will you, is it Lila? I, I can't remember Lila. My apologies. Uh, in my office. and. They All they wanted to talk about was the foreign markets, and I, I kind of expressed that the foreign markets probably weren't going anywhere until the dollar started to go down. And uh, I still think that way, by the way, but they asked me to put together, you know, if you were looking at emerging markets, what would you do? And uh, so I I looked at, you know, you have to have China. I don't know if that's, you know, their, their economy is kind of deteriorating at this point, but I looked at the Crane shares and uh, just said, you know, let's look at the internet, healthcare, because those are two essentials. And then the Crane shares has the Chinese 100 index, uh, leaders 100 index. And then the core, I would go with the uh, Borsa China A shares, and then the All China Index, um, and then emerging markets. I'd look at their emerging markets uh, consumer technology uh, portfolio and their healthcare index again. They seem to be, you know, standard. And then the, I also look for fixed income, the the China commercial paper ETF. Uh, and so we put, you know, if we, you know, if we were just going China, you put 25% in each one of them, you know, uh, I, I could slowly but surely set up a, a portfolio. You know, if you don't want no equity funds, just put 100% in the, in the, uh, uh, you know, the commercial paper portfolio. So uh, it, it works fairly well. So, uh, you know. We'll see what happens. Now, I did notice the bullish percent for the NDX. That's the NASDAQ 100, top 100 stocks, uh, turned up into a column of X's this week. Be interesting to see uh, if that turns up. I also noticed that, you know, last week that the S&P 500 returned to a buy signal uh, with a double break at 2960. So uh, here we are again. You know, we're seeing the early signs of a turnaround. I remember when I said the bullish percent turned down? I did not call my insurance people and tell them, "Hey, you know, let's move the portfolio," simply because I was feeling that you know it's kind of hard uh, with the bullish percent right now, simply because of the fact that we're we're investing by tweet. Uh, and if there is a real positive scenario uh, in this China uh, development thing, I think the market takes off. Now, one of the things I did notice is American Association of, of Individual Investors sentiment polls. Uh, You know, it came out Thursday, and the number of investors who say they're bullish was down dramatically last week. And it's below the December 18th market lows. Remember, December 18th, we just, you know, we went down 19.8% at the low. Okay, so this is a startling statistic given that the broad indexes are near all-time highs. And if you measure the spread between bulls and bears, the current reading is in the bottom 2% of the current bull market. There have only been 12 weeks this decade with the bull bear spread lower than where we are seeing now. And, folks, I'm sorry. That's really, really positive. So, look, there's a million reasons not to invest. That's that's always the easy thing to do. When it isn't the easy thing to do, you should probably think twice about investing. You know, you look at this chart, and I've used it in presentation before. I know the guys at Dorsey Wright have. Uh, Long-term investors' horizons have done very, very well. And and look, you know, if you go back to to the 50s, we had, you know, the red scare. We had a recession back in 1950. This is when the Dow was, you know, less than 100, okay? Uh, And, you know, we had the red scare. We had rising interest rates, rising interest rates. North Korea, uh, you know, they – went after a Navy ship, uh, we, we had uh, Nixon resigning, we had inflation double digits, we had U.S. bomb Libya, we had, uh, you know, all these crises, uh, Iraq war, uh, you know, we had the, uh, the 2000 scare on, on, the, uh, on uh, computers, and, you know, we just had more and more stuff, and yet here from 1950 till now, you'd be up 600, 700%. Uh, I will notice that the, the OEX implied momentum curve, we don't have anything in zone one. Most of it's in zone four, uh, three and four, so we're just flat is what it comes down to. Some people ask me about relative strength. I think, you know, you want to use relative strength three three ways. You want to use it as a scoreboard, scorecard, I should say. You want to use it as a market barometer, and you want to use it as a technical tool, okay? Uh, I'm not going to go into detail because if you don't know what it is, then I can't help you. Look, I, I think this, this cycle, the four-year cycle ba- backdrop remains bullish for, for stocks. And I I think there's some rotation, a little bit of rotation away from safety and and towards growth and cyclical vehicles. Uh, I think there's still going to be some short-term chop, but I think, you know, uh, you, you got to look forward. I did notice that the Russell 2000, what I liked about it is, number one, the, the short-term momentum is very oversold and looks like it's bottoming. But it's relative to performance to S&P 500. It broke its downtrend line, which is, you know, you just go with descending tops and you draw a line and it's sitting right at it. So if it turns up, I think the short, you know, the the, the small cap stocks are so burnt out. I mean, I, I haven't seen them. They're lower than they were in 2007, 2008. You know, Ben Bernanke saved most of them. So now the S&P 500, uh, the daily momentum's is bottoming. That's what I like. And, and we look, uh, you know, uh, the ad line the advanced decline line looks like it's building to the upside which is very possible also if i look at six cyclical versus uh, defensive sectors it's it's had a flat top and uh, a rising wedge so uh you know if we hit a new new high here that would confirm that you want to go into cyclicals i think growth and value are fighting it out uh you know small cap and mid cap growth are right at their uptrend lines um some of the global markets are right at their, you know, they've, they've broken out. Now they've, they've pulled back and they're right at their uptrend lines. What we'd like to see, though, is some more positive relative performance. Uh, bond yields. Look, they're, the weekly RSI momentum is rebounding and they're deeply oversold. So, you know, you don't want to buy bonds here. I think you want to wait for bonds to bond yields to rally. Okay. The dollar is in this wedge formation, you know, usually you break out one direction or the other. So we, I think we have to stay and watch. You know, if it breaks the downside, then I think you want to look at commodities. I think you want to look at some foreign stocks. If it breaks the upside, you stay with the U.S. dollar. You know, if you look at the long-term chart dating back to like uh, 2018, the, the dollar is below its its uptrend line, and so it's it's making a new new chart and uh, new chart channel, and that that may be a problem. But, you know, gold broke out on on the first breakdown of the dollar and then and it's kind of pulled back based on the dollar going up higher. So I think the dollar is key to a lot of commodities and um, uh, technology seems to be, you know, is is not hitting a new high. It's daily momentum is very oversold, though. So I think they may be changing to a new type of technology and semiconductors look uh, pretty good. Um, Actually, you know, they've come a long way uh, and they're but they they sold off in September, and now the daily momentum starting to turn upside. The relative performance versus the S&P 500 is not far behind new highs. So that's a big positive. And, uh, you know, the advanced decline line in the semiconductor sector looks pretty darn good to me as far as I'm concerned anyway. Now, the staples, one thing I noticed is that they're trying to retest the old highs, but their relative performance numbers have been lagging. So it'll be interesting to see you know, exactly what happens there and, and where we go from here. Now, I think that the fact that people took $30 billion out of the market last year, and I mean, most people, I mean, if you're in any kind of decent mutual fund, you're probably up at least 10% this year. And, you know, 10%, the, law, the rule of 72 says if you divide 10% into 72, it'll tell you how many years it takes you to double your money, which would be 7.2 years. And people are taking their money out. That's. I think that's unbelievably bullish. Matter of fact, I haven't seen contrary op- opinion worse in a long, long time. Stay tuned. Re- right back with a bullish percent. Okay, we're back. Um, you know, I, I've been noticing something, and um, it's it's kind of worrying me a little bit. But you know. Energy equities are <laughs> running out of gas. Uh, simple as that. Um, there's been significant volatility uh, in these things for some time. And, you know, I, I was looking at, um, uh, you know, the – I mean, they're they're right at their 2004 low right now. Um, and that's pretty significant. Uh, and and the, the thing is the price of oil has doubled. Natural gas is up about 35 cents. So – and the stocks keep going down. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that these this uh, environmental, social, and governance type portfolio, which, you know, I, I deal with, by the way, um, these portfolios are dumping oil and gas left and right. And while oil and gas is like, uh, on all my lists, is like 144, and there's only 148, I think, peop, uh, you know, different uh, types of portfolios on this list, the EC. I mean, the ESG portfolios are, are now 13. So, the, you know, it's uh, this new type of investing is is coming on board. I think it's the, you know, the, the liberals uh, are putting all their money to work here. And so they're, they're influencing things via the stock market, which is interesting. All right. Well, uh, we always talk about the bullish percent on the show. And the bullish percent is just one of our main gauges of risk. It's been difficult the last couple of years simply because uh, a tweet can send it up like last week went straight up afterwards uh, and it, a tweet can send it down uh, like a couple weeks ago. So uh, it's very difficult. Be uh, Normally this thing does not move around as much as it has. We've had six moves from positive to negative uh, since May 1st. Uh, usually this occurs once 18, every 18 months. So it gives you an idea, uh, you know, I'm starting to feel like Linda Blair. You know, my head's spinning around. Uh, she was in The Exorcist, by the way, if you didn't see that movie. It's coming on Halloween. That's why I brought it up. Anyway, we're at, we were up 2.1% at 44. We're still in a column of O's. At 48, would reverse. The over-the-counter index is still in a column of X's, and it was up 1.2%. It would not reverse down to 34 so if the small caps, remember, I told you, if they reverse back up, that would be very positive on the, on our charts. The world index is still in a column of O's at 38. It would not reverse up till 44. But these are not the highest of numbers, OK? So it's not time to panic. 44, you know, now if we went back to 9 or something like that, then believe me, there'd be a heck of a sell-off. Uh, but, you know, the world index being at 38, there's not, you know, I mean, 30 is just around the corner. So... Uh, the high-low indexes were all in in a column of O's, uh, but they were around thirty-six uh, for the for all the all of the uh, bullish percents. The New York stock, I mean the uh, New York bullish percent was at fifty-two, uh, and the over-the-counter was at uh, twenty-two. So the over-the-counter index seems to be the cheapest and, and the the probably the place with the least risk, and it, because it's in a column of X's. You know, uh, if you look at the major. Market indicators—they're relatively quiet, but um, you know we didn't have any many many changes. I should say, um, the NDX did turn up into a column of X's, and the S P 500 turned into a column of X's. And uh, the the other area that that was hit hard back in uh, 2018 were the home builders. They fell more than 30 percent. And with the most recent action, the H A, the XHB. I'm sorry has given its fifth consecutive buy signal. Uh, now, one of my money managers bought quite a bit of this. I, I've got a little bit of the, you know, uh, a couple names here and there. Um, but it does look like uh, it's it's strengthening, not uh, going south. So another interesting aspect about, uh, you know, building and home building space is the total housing starts. Um, and th- this is kind of an economic data uh, chart. And the most current reading is about 1,269, which means – this chart is within one box of reversing back into a column of X's, which would occur, you know, around 1309. And, you know, it would give it the highest level since 2009, uh, 2008, actually. So that's a long way. Uh, it's a good thing. All, all the major indexes look pretty good. Uh, the foreign indexes have been positive for like seven weeks. And, and like I said, you know, I thought they were starting to break down, then they turned back up. Um and, and most of the uh, domestic index has been negative for about two weeks now. So uh, just negative momentum. The long-term charts still look great. Um, you know, I was looking at, uh, you know, the momentum figures, and we've had one month of positive momentum. And what I was looking at on these is the weekly momentum. But we've had one month of positive momentum on all, all the major indexes with the exception of the uh, – the frontier ETFs, you know, the uh, emerging markets. Now, the QQQs, you know, if they were to break 196, that would be a triple top break, and I think that would be very, very positive. Um, the question: We're not getting any help from the fangs, with the exception of Apple. Uh, so, it, you know, things could get a little bit more delicate here. Uh, you know, Apple may sell off, and some of the fangs may go up. Who knows? But this week we uh, we had ten favored sectors. Last week we went down to eight. This week. And the average uh, sector, uh, you know, went down uh, about to 1.2%. Uh, once again, we're just talking about the favored sectors now, and that's electric utilities at 70. They were up at, from 64 last week. Building and waste management, same place they were last week at 65. Real estate and semiconductors are 55. They're up a little bit. Housing's at 45. Wall Street and electrical products are at 40. We do have... Uh, 10 of the 40 sectors below 30 right now. So if they were to turn back up, uh, you know, that would be very, very positive. But this whole year, like I've, I've said every week for a pretty long time, you know, even when things were great, you know, when the market was going crazy in January and February, we never had more than 11 favored sectors. So uh, you'd like to see 25 or 30 favored sectors. And then you get really, really bullish because that's, that's when you know, but, we do have a couple houses I I mean, a couple uh groups that are in bull confirmed status that's household goods uh non-ferrous metals retailing and textiles uh but in retailing I think you really got to know what you're doing because uh there are some that are getting beat up uh you know look Kohl's I I had the right information I thought that Amazon was going to use them for returns which is very profitable for them and then uh, they said that, and then they said they had some problems with the tariffs, and they got they beat them up. So uh, now, if I looked at favored se- uh, sector status, or you know what's happened, precious metals have moved from favored down to average, along with restaurants and forest and paper products, which were unfavored have moved up to neutral. So it be interesting to see now if I look at international equities. The overview basically is Japan equities have continued to pass over uh, advance over the past couple weeks. Uh, the Nikkei two twenty five uh, Rising to give a second consecutive buy signal, so um, it 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 had a vertical move uh, starting about two weeks ago from twenty one thousand four hundred to twenty two thousand six hundred, and broke a double top on the way, and then a spread double top on the way. So that's a big positive for the for Japan. The Japan um, it it's also. Continue to rise steadily in the asset class groups that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us. You know, uh, they also provide us with the bullish percent, by the way, uh, and some of the stuff that we use in this third part of our show. Um, so, you know, if you, you look at the long term, just like the general Japan index, it did break us right as downtrend line. Same with the small cap and same with the minimum volatility. So, um, you know, when you have a positive score movement and the charts start to shape up, you want to follow that group uh pretty closely i also noticed that some of the uh the pacific etfs so we're looking at just stuff in the the far east a couple of those have broken their downtrend line also i I did notice that the 10 and the 30 year yields broke out this week so they went up okay uh so the tnx which is the 10 year returned to a buy signal so that means they think that the yield's going up and uh the the thirty year index also returned to a buy signal when it broke a double top at two point two two five. So, remember I said last couple of weeks don't buy bonds here because you want to wait for the yield to come up. So, there's been little change on the shorter end. On the if you close in on the on the yield curve, the U.S. Treasury five year yield uh, remains on a sell signal. So, uh, people are are betting on the the yields going up in the higher bonds. So that's kind of interesting. Um, if I looked at the AGG, uh, which is the uh, the major bond fund out there, they have strong negative correlations to the 5- and 10-year Treasury yields, just so you know, okay? Now, crude oil continues, uh, you know, has been negative for some time now. Uh, gold's gold's uh, actually just went negative last week, but gold's been negative for about six weeks. Copper's been negative for about one week, and corn turned around pretty nicely this week. So um, if I look at the the British currency, You know, based on some of this, what's going on with uh, uh, Brexit, uh, it popped big. So that's a big positive for the British. Um, If I look at relative strength, we always talk about relative strength, uh, you know, because relative strength uh, chart is basically telling you that what you want to have is your stock to be the best stock in your group and the best stock in the market. So uh, you want to listen to these. Uh, Fastenal, uh, industrial services company, that looks really good. And Navios Maritime, which is a master limited partnership, those people looking for uh, income. Sterling Construction Company, uh, Industrial Goods. uh, And uh, let's see here. Synthesis Energy, Ardmore Shipping, that made a big move this week. Um, Realology Holdings, that's in real estate business. New York Community Bank Corp. Urinave, which is Industrial Goods, and New York City Bank Corp. By the way, several of those showed up on my charts. On the cell single ICU Medical uh, had a big decline this week. IDT Corp., which is in fixed-line communications. Uh, Resources Connections uh, got beat up a little bit. Quotient, which had been uh, popping along and then popped down. Enovo International, which is in five financial services. DBV Technology and Biotechnology. Red Hill Pharmaceutical and Pharmaceuticals. Uh, Cura Oncology, another biotech. Four Scout Technologies and, t- and Technical Services. And Beyond Meat, which was a new issue, went straight up and is coming straight back down. Now, look, with relative strength on a buy signal, these can last a long time. I mean, Dan has been on a positive relative strength signal since like 2000. All right. So, it's you know, it's 2019. That's a long time. It's been a great stock. Uh, on the sell side, I think, you know, it's not necessarily you have to go out and sell the stock. But what you want to do is make sure the fundamentals. Because sometimes a relative strength uh, situations tell you ahead of time that there's a problem with the fundamentals so you want to be uh, kind of careful uh you know uh, in doing that okay so um relative strength's important and tell me anybody that uses technical analysis uses relative strength uh also what we're trying to do on this show is put the technicals and the fundamentals together usually you'll make more money that way uh in the meantime we'll be right back with insider buying uh, so stay tuned this is the smart investor show Okay, we're back. Uh, once again, if you uh, missed part of the show or you want to hear what I said two weeks ago or three weeks ago, go to WHK 1420 and just go to local podcast, go down to Smart Investor Hour or Tim Hayes, and uh, they, they post, and I think they go back pretty far, like a year or two years, and you can see what I was saying two years ago but um, or whenever, okay? Like two weeks ago, if you, if you think I was saying not to buy bonds and you want to check me, do some fact-checking, please do. And in, in the meantime, uh, you know, we always talk about insiders on the show. And uh, so what we do is we started out with a big economy here. And we we talked about some things that retirees should be doing and people in taxes should be doing. And then we talked about China. And so we're talking about big subjects. And now we talked about relative strength. So we gave you some ideas to work with. And then we talked about insiders. Okay. So these are ideas. Uh, now, I'm, I know what I'd be buying. Uh, but... Uh, you know, whether you buy it or not, that's fine. I just think with these, you got to remember a couple things. Number one, I'm looking at the big buys. I want to see the guys really step up to the plate. Number two, I look for multiple buys. If they're not big buys, if there's 10 buyers of 5,000 shares each, I'm going to pay attention to that. But what you should know is insiders know their company better than you do. That's that's a given. Uh, at least most insiders. Jeff Immel may be the only one I, I know that uh, didn't at GE. I Uh, A lot of GE insiders were bought uh, bought at between eighteen and twenty four, and the stock's nine now, so uh, they got hurt pretty bad. I don't know if it was based on uh, bad information or what, but um, anyway, the point is uh, when you when you buy these, you got to remember these guys are early. You know, they see things maybe you know sometimes as far as a year or two years in front of you. So you know, don't don't get carried away. You don't have to buy it right away. You know, wait till the stock is down. Okay. Uh, now, there was a new issue that came out a while back, which we follow. We have a report on, if you'd like to get it. It's called Datadog. And uh, Contour Venture Partners bought 600,000 shares. A director bought 520,000 shares, 25,000 shares. That's $14 million bucks, by the way. A CFO bought 15,000 shares. Another officer bought 25,000 shares. Iconic uh, bought 525,000 shares, another $420,000. So, Somebody likes the stock. Uh, Data Dog is is uh, a Matt Hedberg stock, and he's been very, very good um, at what he does. I mean, he's been he's been hitting the cover off the ball. Now, uh, we we also have a, a recommendation on this stock too, or a, I should say, a report on this stock, Constellation Pharmaceuticals, and uh, uh, Anthony um, Evnan, who's uh, he's a beneficial owner. Uh, he bought 2.8 million shares at 850, and uh, that his ending holdings were five 5.3 million, and um, also Column Group uh, CP uh, or LP. I'm sorry, bought 1.4 million shares. That's about 12 million. So, uh, Mr. Evnen was about 23 24 million. Well, uh, the stock popped though, so I think you got to wait on it. I mean, it's, it's up around 12.5 now. So. Um, now, we like the stock, but there was no news for the popping other than the, the insider buy, so sometimes they'll come back to you. Now, a short guarantee. Um, remember, we've been talking about a, a director. Uh, uh, the guy that runs their investment portfolio has been buying the stock pretty pretty regularly, and he bought another $4.42 million worth this week. Uh, that's his fourth purchase, and uh, they're all pretty big purchases. I did notice that has been kind of in a, Triangle pattern and broke out of it upwards, which is usually a positive scenario. And then, um, I know this was, uh, really interesting. Lionsgate, you know, this stock's been just getting hammered. And, uh, that Mark Richesky, who's the chairman of the board, bought 2.4 million shares, about $22 million worth, and he has 18 million already. So, uh, you like seeing that. Um, this, this is a really cheap company. So that's why I'm interested. Um, And MRH fund also agreed to acquire 2.4 million shares. And then, um, you know, so, you know, they paid about uh, 12 and a half, uh, 12 and a quarter for it, Uh, you know, so they bought it from John Malone. And uh, I think John is is (laughs) having some problems other places. But uh, now, uh, Larry Feinberg, uh, who's a shareholder of Modus GI, uh, he he owned uh, quite about 2 million shares. Now, Larry Feinberg runs a portfolio, and he runs some money for Larry Ellison of uh, Oracle. Uh, and he purchased another 1 million shares at 3 or $3 million worth of Modus GI Holdings. Uh, so he, he, he now owns 3.9% or about uh, almost 12% of the company. Uh, he's usually pretty smart money in the long run. So uh, Larry Feinberg's is one of the savvier investors I know, he's, especially in small-cap stocks. Um uh, was just four bucks, it's now like two fifty. They did a secondary offering. He might have bought it on there. I'm not sure. Uh, but there you go. So let's talk about the market a little bit. And look the major market indexes are near all time highs at, but unfortunately they are also resistance areas where the index has stalled and then pulled back on several occasions over the last two years. So several of these peaks were into new high ground that didn't hold for too long, like the one held for like about fifteen minutes. <laughs> Uh, so we we could be setting up for more of the same again. I don't know. Uh, we see the stock market as being in good shape for the long term, but lacking the kind of, you know, the power and volume. And, and uh remember I was talking about participation. You know, we only have eight sectors that are favored. Okay. We need more than that. We need more, more things going on. And uh, so what what I'd like to see in order for, you know, a stronger short-term move would be power and volume, more participation uh, more groups, you know, coming together. Uh, and, and I guess, uh, you know, if if we don't get that, I, I think any break will probably be a, you know, more of a sideways move. And remember, I, I, I've been saying that uh, we're going to be sloppy for a while. And then the fourth, you know, later on in the fourth quarter, we'd probably pick up again. So we'd like to see that uh, occur. Uh, but remember, October tends to be the bottom. Now, last year, it was the it was the beginning of, it was a top, and that was because of what the Federal Reserve said, uh, but in a good 75% of the cases, October is the bottom, okay? Now, one of the things we've been noticing is oil spiked up after, you know, uh, they bombed the Saudi uh, wells, and it looks like it's, you know, made, still going down, all right? Uh, but it's working lower, and uh the trend on it has been weakening in spite of the factors that have had a positive effect on the price. So, look, there's a lot of support at the $50 level, which was the, the low point on several occasions this year. And we think that a break below that level would open up the possibility of a fall to a lower zone sometime in the future. So, uh, you know, I looked at the crude oil continuous contract back on nine uh, sixteen, and, you know, it broke out and then broke back down. So it's, it's, you know, getting kind of interesting. Uh, Now, gold, uh, gold has is at a double bottom right here. And if it doesn't hold, it probably could go back to where, you know, almost where it broke out. I said like fourteen hundred would probably be my uh, my scenario there. And um, I I think that'll hold. Now, look, uh, I had some people tell me I didn't know what I was talking about this week. about passive investing. And look, I I said that passive assets have now surpassed active fund assets, uh, mostly because they took $30 billion out of active funds this month. month. But I can tell you that active assets uh, usually have performed better over, over a period of time. And the reason they haven't now is because everybody's been shoving their money into the FANG stocks and all those ETFs. And the FANGs haven't done anything. They're they're flat as a pancake with the exception of Apple, uh, for a year and a half now, year and a quarter. Um, and what I'm saying about passive funds is not that they may not p- participate, but I don't think that they're going to lead the way. Okay, uh, when when uh, something like that's Marxism of the stock market, and uh, you know if you don't if you don't want socialism, if you don't vote for the Democratic Party. I'm pretty sure this time around, but you know you got to pay pretty close attention and uh look uh you know we've been talking about this uh this movement in the stock market and in the last five six years it's been all growth stocks and uh i think that might be coming to an end i'm not sure you know it's i'm starting to see you know some action on the the value side uh but we've been in a nice uptrend since the bottom in 2009 you know, and people keep have taken almost $7 trillion out of the stock market. They've put it in money markets. They've put it in bond bond funds. They've, they've put it in cash. But as we go up, it's the most hated bull market of all time. And believe me, bull markets are usually hated because, you know, you've got to climb the wall of worry to keep the bull market going. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what goes from here. Now, what we could do is have a brief pause if the dollar does break down, you know, because it is kind of in this wedge formation. And wedge you know formations usually end you know with a move one direction or the other and a pretty quick move too. So uh, I would suggest that uh, uh, there's a good possibility that uh, you know the dollar either breaks down or breaks out If it breaks out, things are gonna get interesting. If it breaks down I think it's going to be because it's going to be because of treasury bonds. A lot of money has come over here in treasury bonds and if, if you know they've probably made a good buck uh, because yields have come down so quickly. Now there might be time to get out, okay? That's why I'm saying don't don't buy yield right now. Wait for it to bounce up. In the meantime, what would I be doing? Well, Tim Hayes' personal opinion is, uh, I look, the 30-year Treasury yield is below the dividend growth portfolio's yield by about 10 basis points, and it's uh, only half, a little bit more than half, of the prime income list. Those would be two really good places to start. I mean, I think that's a buy signal for dividend stocks. That's my humble opinion uh and so, I would look at those two portfolios now look in in the prime income list there's some utilities uh, the utilities are overextended at this point, so I think you want to wait a little bit on those if you get my list. Call me, and I'll talk to you about it okay uh in the meantime, the top ideas, several of them in the software area, you want to be a little bit careful uh but the rest of them look pretty good, you know long term and I think that uh uh with any kind of correction, some of those software names will look good coming down the road too. It just they got to correct for a while, go sideways for a while. Uh, In the meantime, I think that, um, you know, we have this sloppy market that we've been talking about for five months. And we said we'd be sloppy into the fourth quarter. And then sometime in the fourth quarter, we start to turn up. Well, with the American Association of Individual Investors being as bearish as they are, I mean, this is one of the bearish times in history, you know, by that thing. Um, You know, we have impeachment tariffs, Brexit. Uh, Iraq. You got all this stuff going on. Everybody's negative. Sometimes it's not easy to invest when everybody's negative, but it's the best time to invest. Call me if you want to have a cup of coffee. Go to WHK 1420 AM. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. Uh, you can listen to my show, whatever. Hit to contact me or email me. Let's have coffee. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high.